Sportsnet today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, the fan, Calgary. Coach McDermott does an excellent job, you know, that you can see really they're they're sound in all three phases. They got great players. They got really great schemes that accentuate their players' skill sets. And I think that's what's a a great reflection of Coach McDermott, his staff. And uh, we're certainly excited, but we know what a great challenge it's going to be. Oh, we're excited too, Sean McVay. Welcome to Sportsnet today on this, the NFL kickoff on a Thursday night. Coming at you live from the Sportsnet 960 downtown studios in rainy Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Logan Gordon and Patrick Dumas along with you. And yes, quite the challenge as we uh, kick off the NFL season tonight for the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. They will kick things off against Sean McDermott and the Super Bowl favorite, depending on where you look. Battle of the Shans. It is the Battle of the Shans. Sean, do you like better, McVeigh or Dermot? Ooh, I like them both, but damn, McVeigh, man. Woo! And he got paid. He got paid today. He got paid. That's a good timing, hey? Oh, yeah. There's some confidence in your coaching staff oh, there. Oh, yeah. Les Snead, too, getting, yeah. uh, getting paid, too. GM, the whole organization believes in that team to try and become the first repeat champs in uh, almost 10 years here. Well, over 10 years, for sure. Yep. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, an hour of Sportsnet today coming your way here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, uh, Logan Gordon, Patrick Dumas, along with you. And yes, NFL football officially kicks off tonight. The 2022 season gets going from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Rams will be honored for their Super Bowl title last year while welcoming in the Buffalo Bills. That's quite the challenge for this group coming in. But Jalen Ramsey. The Pro Bowl All-Pro corner for the Rams says, yeah, we, look, we know they're a, a good team, but we're not here to pump anybody else up. I got respect for them, but I got more respect for the game and, and the way that I prepare and the way my teammates been preparing and our trust and belief in each other. So I boost us up. I talk about us and, and our preparation, but, you know, they can do that with, with them over there. We're going to go out there Thursday and we're going to put our best effort out there and, you know, do what we got to do. And that's going to be one of the matchups to watch tonight is Jalen Ramsey against not only one of the best up-and-coming quarterbacks in the league, Patrick, but uh, a guy that you could probably have on your MVP ballot early this season. Uh, Josh Allen has ascended to superstardom across the NFL, and obviously his head coach, Sean McDermott, very happy to have him how smart Matthew is, how smart Josh is. I mean, I think that'll be on display. Both of these quarterbacks are extremely smart. They have strong arms. Uh, Matthew's obviously, he's a little bit more experienced than Josh is. These these quarterbacks are so good anymore. Um, Not only post-snap, but pre-snap. I don't know what more you could ask for on night one, Patrick. Uh, Mm -hmm. The defending Super Bowl champions and a chance to celebrate what was a great title run last year. But they also get challenged on week one by a team in another conference. And uh, if you said tonight was a potential Super Bowl matchup, I wouldn't be able to argue with you. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. This is uh, you know going to be a more popular pick amongst uh, amongst uh, experts uh, heading into February for sure. But of course, we got a long journey to go, and of course, the preseason headlines: Buffalo, uh, you know, improving that defense. Josh Allen taking another year forward as he becomes a top three quarterback in this league. And the Rams, who you know reloaded, they they lose Von Miller, but they you know they add Bobby Wagner to that defense. They lose Robert Woods, while well, they add Allen Robinson to the wide receiving core. They don't have Odell Beckham, but potentially down the line, Beckham could make a trip back to Los Angeles. But this is an exciting matchup uh, for sure. You can't can't ask for uh, for a better season opener. I know last year they had ta- Tampa Bay and Dallas as well, and this year LA Buffalo. It's just going to keep getting better. And, you know, football's here, man. Josh Allen reading today. He's already he say he's ascending. I think he's already there. He topped NFL jersey sales. He's number one in the league now. Yeah, that's so. a popular one going around. First <laughs> like, of all, those Bills jerseys are uh, fantastic. Yeah, and either one, blue or the white, doesn't matter what you get. No. They are very, very fancy for sure. Yeah, but. so if you like either one of those, then uh, I can see why you might purchase a Josh Allen jersey. Uh, but how excited are you for NFL kickoff tonight, mm-hmm. 2022 yeah. season, uh, <laughs> getting underway, 960-960, the fan feedback line. Yeah. Uh, even if your team's not playing tonight, what's your excitement level like to get NFL football back underway it's a great matchup tonight i'm looking forward to a full slate of games this weekend i think there's a ton of storylines the expanded playoff is going to be interesting there's some divisional stories that are that are crazy intriguing and we'll dive more into the nfl as a whole tomorrow patrick we'll focus mostly on the rams and the bills today we'll also squeeze in uh some football north of the border here in calgary uh stamps report with maddie rose this segment as well Plus, we'll chat some CFL with John Hodge of Three Down Nation coming up later this hour. But uh, let's start with the Rams. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl contenders again this year, I would say, bringing back the kind of talent that they did. But I'm intrigued on the motivation side of things for the Rams, especially now that this story came out that in May, Aaron Donald had essentially decided he was going to retire. He had written it down and you know, prepared to send a letter to the Rams that said, Hey, thank you. I've accomplished everything I need to in my life uh, and my career, excuse me. And I'm ready to go. I, we won the Super Bowl. I, I feel happy with where I am with my career. I'm, I'm ready to go. That never happened. Now he's back. Sean McVay's back. There were questions about him. But I mean, this was a team that sort of wore that underdog label for a lot of last year, Patrick, right? Was was Sean McVay ever going to get back to a, a Super Bowl and be the coach that everyone thought he could be? Mm-hmm. Would Matthew Stafford finally be able to succeed outside of Detroit, or was he part of the problem? Cooper Cup, great receiver, but was he ever a number one receiver? All of those questions were answered last year. How do you motivate yourself to do it all again this year as the hunted instead of the hunter? That's a million dollar question for a lot of teams that, you know, going into the question, you know, you're the target. You, you've got 31 other teams coming after you. Uh, you know, that's not an easy division. It's a, it's a tough schedule for the Rams again this year. It's a lot has to go right for a team to win a Super Bowl. And in key positions last year, they were healthy. Key number one is you got to stay healthy mm-hmm. in this whole thing. This is a tough sport. Replacing a guy like uh, Andrew Whitworth, you know, that was a big loss on that left tackle side. Sure is. You know, he's a leader in that locker room. Walter Payton Man of the Year. We know what he meant to that team. So 
it's going to be on the guys, the young guys, to step up, and you know they they know the role here in Los Angeles, and and then it's on the veterans. It's a good veteran group. Matthew Stafford, uh, I think, you know, shook obviously answered a lot of questions last year. What he can do in an, in a proper offense run by a proper offensive mind and Sean McVay, and it worked. It led them to a Super Bowl championship. It's it's what you, it's 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 tough. It is very mm-hmm. tough. To, it's going to be, and I think this team has the proper coaches and staff. I know they lose Kevin O'Connell on that offense. You wonder if the offensive coaching staff will be as strong. O'Connell was a big part of that last year. He's gone on to Minnesota. Uh, so there's a lot of there to be at. Like LA should be among. I would think one of the final four teams uh, around. You'd think, but again, the, the NFC is it's it's not it's it's more wide open. I think than the AFC is. But that division, again, is, is a lot of unknowns, and I think a lot of it comes from San Francisco, what they can do with Trey Lance. I think that team is around them. It's a Super Bowl-laden roster. Whether the quarterback's good enough to lead them, we'll see. So L.A. will have some some targets on their back just in their division, playing them you know, seven or six times a year. Yeah, it's an, it's an incredibly interesting perspective on the Rams because I think they've brought back more than enough talent to – find themselves on paper as a Super Bowl contender again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly that the NFC as a whole makes it, I think, favorable that they could be in a, another conference, you know, final conversation. Yeah. Uh, see, you know, it's kind of the same thing with the with the Bucks. whereas, you know, I don't really see anybody else as massive contenders in your division. Can I see you getting a first round bye? Yeah, probably. I think that's not out of the question. It's for me. It's so much about you know motivating yourself for another year after winning a Super Bowl. Was it mm-hmm. you know? Are you now as motivated to get that feeling again as you were last year? I think the talent is clearly there. I, I'm with you. I like Allen Robinson uh, a heck of a lot as a number two in that offense. Bobby Wagner's a a really under the radar signing in that linebacking core. And look, you're still you're still rolling out a Hall of Famer at defensive tackle, who I think could still be the most dominant player at his position, uh, by far. Aaron Donald's a freak of nature. Uh, ask the Bengals how intense he is yeah. in practice, and they'll give you uh, a couple of words, <laughs> and I'm sure probably aren't radio appropriate. Well, grab but your helmet and throw it at you. Yeah, uh, you know it's a great team. To me, it's all about it's not about the talent anymore. The questions about the talent have been asked and answered. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, for me, it's it's going to be about motivation and finding that that next level when you've got the Super Bowl ring on your finger already. On the other side of things, the Buffalo Bills come in with all the talent in the world. Uh, they are far and away the favorite in the AFC East division. Uh, the Jets do not pose a threat to them. I think uh, if anybody in that division, it would be Miami that will push Buffalo. But they're still in that sort of ascension it, it, Yeah, tier, it all depends right? on Tua, for sure. Yeah, right. And the new that's, coach, unproven. that's unproven, excuse me. Yeah, the new coach, he's a, he's also the type of guy that can get the best out of a quarterback. He's worked with Matt Ryan. He's worked in with Jimmy Garoppolo. A lot of guys have had their best season under Mike McDaniel coaching them. So I'm looking for that boost with Tua. He's got a good receiving core. He's got that track star, that track team, essentially, at receiving core there. You know, Miami is an interesting team. Maybe not push the division, but... I think, yeah, I agree there. Buffalo is yeah, definitely number one in that division. And I think the motivation for them, the way they lost that AFC Divisional game to Kansas City, man, eight seconds. Mm-hmm. You can you can say this is a quarterback-driven league, but you still got to play defense. Yes, and the, the biggest one, uh, the biggest add to this Buffalo team is one that the Rams know well, 
and its future Hall of Famer Vaughn Miller being added to that defense. It's a six-year deal worth $120 million, $51.5 million guaranteed. Uh, He got 45 of that fully guaranteed uh, money at signing. So that is uh, obviously an area the Bills have been looking to shore up for years is their pass rush. Can Vaughn Miller still be that guy at 33 years old? We'll see. They're going to try to put together one of the best defenses in the NFL to go along with what should be a pretty potent offense. Uh, I, I think the talent's there for Buffalo. I think the path to winning the division is there for Buffalo. It's putting the pieces together now, and they're not going to surprise anybody this year, despite that mm-hmm. loss to Kansas City, and I, I think it's a good point you make about that because that was a heartbreaker, and that's as tough as it goes to know that you did everything you could and still just wasn't quite good enough. But I don't think anyone's going to look at the Bills as a surprising underdog story this year. No, again, they, they uh, I think... In, in, in a conference, the AFC that is loaded, Buffalo probably arguably is is talented number one. But this is also a team, I mentioned Kevin O'Connell leaving the LA Rams offense. This is a team that now has to replace Brian Dable on the offense. So I wonder mm-hmm. how Josh Allen and his play effect is affected. I mean, obviously the talent will obviously be there, but I wonder, just, you know, play calling and everything. It, it might be a little messy to start. We, we don't know that. Uh, it's a very explosive offense for sure. Like, like Gabriel Davis will, you know, you'll get a lot of, you know, with Stephon Diggs and Jim, uh, and Jalen Ramsey probably being the matchup tonight. Look for Gabriel Davis to get a lot of action tonight. He's an exciting player. Isaiah McKenzie is an exciting player. James Cook, their running back they drafted, is a very exciting player. So they've got mm-hmm. the, the talent there offensively. I think, you know, we'll see what the Brian Dable uh, loss does to that offense. But I think, you know, Sean McDermott, like Sean McVay, has a very strong calming sense around him around their 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 clubs and you you, you can never get too you do if the, if things are looking bad you can never get too down on them because i they're, they'll always find a way to try build themselves up out of it and i think you can never count buffalo or la out of games this year for sure uh again another tough schedule this year for buffalo uh we'll see i mean they have the pressure the media pressure is real i'm watching nfl network i'm watching espn it's Bills over blah. It's Bills over blah. For a team that, you know, this is the only team in the history of the National Football League to lose four consecutive championship games. And I know that's a different era. But this is a lot of pressure on this group. So we'll see. And it falls. We'll see what happens with Josh Allen. You know, the young guys have made, it, made that step. He's the next one. Pat Mahomes has been to a Super Bowl and won it. Joe Burrow's been to a Super Bowl now. We're waiting on Josh Allen's time. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, there's some injury reports heading into uh, week one. It's going to be interesting if you're uh, curious from a betting perspective or from a fantasy football perspective. Isaiah McKenzie will be in the Bills lineup uh, tonight. He's been dealing with a groin issue. Uh, Jordan Poyer, the safety for the Bills, did not play during the preseason, uh, but he did say this week that he expects to play tonight against the Rams. No Van Jefferson. For the uh, Rams, that's their third wide receiver option behind Robinson and behind Cooper Cup. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, you'll remember, we heard from him earlier. He had shoulder surgery this offseason, but he is good to go and ready to play tonight against Josh Allen. That will be a matchup to watch for. Uh, some texts at 960-960. 
I think Tredavious White being out. <clears throat> Tredavious White being out is a big one. Looks like, like they'll have to start a rookie they got there for their, the Bills. Their first rounder, uh, Elam. They picked 22nd overall. He's going to get a big dose. He'll be probably covering Gabe Davis tonight as well. So this will be a fun one. You know, like or sorry, he'll be covering probably likely uh, Allen Robinson. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I should say that. But you know, this this will be really. Uh, I think we're going to have some fireworks tonight. A lot of points. All right, uh, quickly to the text line, 960-960. A couple people really excited for tonight. I'm in that category. I'm super excited for kickoff tonight. Really looking forward to this one. A couple of texts. Uh, I'm so excited for the season to start. I don't even have a favorite team. Tonight, my favorite team is Sports Select, going with the Rams. I don't mind that pick. Uh, As a Lions fan with the Rams, pick again next year. I assume we'll get screwed and they'll win again. The salary cap isn't isn't real. I want the wheels to fall off in L.A., yeah, I imagine if you're a Lions fan, you can probably feel a little bit uh, scorned that Matthew Stafford had all the success he's had. But I think the Lions are building their own kind of um, new brand of things in Detroit. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dan Campbell, if you, if you have anybody you had a chance to go watch the Hard Knocks from this past uh, this past uh, August, it was it was wonderful. Dan Campbell and his using the use of Metallica was, was wonderful. The the coach-free practices that they ran in Detroit. It's a loose group there in Detroit. I don't think there's – and it, there's some fun there. There's Amal Raw St. Brown in the receiving core, DeAndre Swift, uh, you know, a lot of lot of love on him. I think a lot of people think, you know, it's Jared Goff still. I think that, I think it sours on a lot of people, and I think, I think you wouldn't be surprised if Detroit's probably picking at the top of the draft looking at a quarterback, but who knows? I think Dan Campbell's – he's a fun guy. It'll be a fun, interesting – Really entertaining group to watch this year. It's still a tough division, but I think they'll be improved from last year for sure. Uh, this texter says, Jacked up, boys. Degenerate gambling is back in full swing. Football to kick it off with hockey uh, to get put in the mix in a few short weeks. Hashtag take all my money. Uh, yeah, if you're uh, if you're big, not just on the fantasy side of things, but getting your bets in on a Sunday, uh, that is back in full swing for you. And yeah. Uh, I believe I've seen a couple of different places. Uh, Bills minus two and a half seems to be the going rate for tonight. Uh, uh, you buying that or selling that, Dumas? Ah, I don't know. I, I I I don't think I I don't know. That's weird. I think I would like the. You think the Rams would be favored heading in? You'd think so, but they're not. You know, like I don't know. And the injuries with Buffalo, like I don't know. I'm riding L.A. tonight for sure. If you can find L.A. plus. Take that. It's an interesting one. Um, Rams are so talented, but, you know, I think it might be something to do with, you know, all the pregame stuff, the remembering last year. I think people worry about that. And it looks like Bill's Nation's traveled pretty well to L.A. You and me talked about that last week. L.A.'s a destination city for other fans. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Buffalo Bills fans out west getting a chance to sign uh, to see their team have uh, apparently made the pilgrimage. So it looks like it could be uh, pretty close to like a 60-40 split. There's going to be a lot of blue in those stands. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to look at like uh, the home team really in these season openers is the team to go with. Usually in the last, since, uh, you know, since 2012, only three road teams have won uh, the season opener. So, I mean, those were the Cowboys in 2012, the Chiefs in 2017, and the Packers in 2019. So I, I always ride the, usually go with the home team in the season over just because it, it's it, since uh, I think 2004, 2005 is when they started making the Super Bowl champion play in that opening game. It's riding that that high, putting that banner up. You know, it's just it's I know with L.A. it's, it's it is that destination. It might be a little crowd. It might be a little on edge on for L.A. 
a lot of pressure. But just in the end, I think it's hard to bet against the home team on opening night. Going to be a good one. Uh, looking forward to a 620 kickoff tonight. Rams and Bills to kick off the NFL season. Uh, but just because the NFL's uh, underway and we've talked to some NFL here on Sportsnet today doesn't mean uh, that we're shifting focus away from the CFL. Just the opposite, in fact, Patrick. Uh, the CFL season continuing this weekend. A big matchup for the Calgary Stampeders as they look to get back-to-back wins against the Edmonton Elks. And, of course, we're going to be focused in on that one heading into Saturday's matchup. We'll also chat some CFL around the league next segment with John Hodge from 3 Down Nation. But before we get there, let's switch things over from the NFL to the CFL. It's time for your Thursday Stamps Report with Matty Rose. Thursday saw the Stampeders hold a closed practice after a rundown late on Wednesday. All of this ahead of the rematch Saturday in Edmonton between the Stampeders and the Elks after Calgary took a victory back on Monday. Short week, not a ton of practice time, and on top of that, the only practice in Calgary was a closed one, so limited viewings for reporting reasons. We did get the injury report Wednesday, and it told us some key information. Mostly Kamar Jordan, the receiver for the Stamps, did not practice Wednesday with a thigh injury. Dave Dickinson gave an update after Thursday's session where he was absent for some imaging. It's just a muscle, but uh, he had a little bit of bruising, and they wanted to make try to rule some things out. So, unfortunately, that's uh, something that puts us his status in doubt now um, and we'll see if he can uh, he's if he's can play we'll play him obviously because he knows the system he knows what we're going to do he knows what we're going to try to accomplish but I got to make sure he can run and uh, certainly hope I get good news this afternoon not really like a six game concern there more well I don't know the results so it's one of those you know when you get muscle swelling it needs to go away if it's not going away you got to check out some things so hopefully he's ready to go so that'll certainly be something to keep an eye on. 11 games played for KJ this season. He's got 43 receptions on 75 targets. 433 yards has yet to find the end zone, but uh, is getting quite a bit of yards after the catch as well. That'll be something to keep an eye on. If he can't play, we might get to see the regular season debut of Trey Odom's Dukes, first-year player in the CFL, 25 years old. He spent four seasons at South Florida and was then with the Broncos briefly, signed as an undrafted free agent. They also have Sean Bain and Malik Henry as American options, but they usually play the outside spot while replacing KJ would leave a slot position open, which might be more suited to the taller Odom Dukes. Dave Dickinson had this to say about Trey after Thursday's session. Well, I mean, he's been here, but he, uh, he, had, he was one of my guys that got, uh, not COVID, but he got ill earlier this year, and he lost, he lost a big chunk of weight, and he missed a week and a half. And it, and it definitely, I think he's back now. And uh, so everybody wants that opportunity, but you also, when you get it, you want to feel like you're confident that you've been here long enough, you know what to expect. Um, you know, he's ready. Whether he gets that opportunity or not, we'll see. But uh, he's a guy we liked in camp, makes contested catches, uh, cares, football matters to him, uh, all good things. Elsewhere on the injury report, Colton Hunchak was a full participant after missing last week with an illness. Would be another option for Canadian receivers if Hunchak can go. That's it offensively from Wednesday's report. On the defense, Defensive backs Daniel Ameko and Natrell Jamerson did not practice, both with shoulder injuries, but fellow defensive back Brandon Dozier was a full participant, continuing to work his way back from a hamstring injury. Did have a chance to talk to Dozier, who started the season on the six-game injured list with a leg injury, returned for one game,
game, then found himself back on the sixth game with a different muscle injury in the same leg. I asked Brandon how he's feeling ahead of the game, but we started with his thoughts on the Labor Day Classic. All right, we're here with uh, Brandon Dozier, defensive back for the Calgary Stampeders, getting set to return uh, against the Edmonton Elks this weekend. I guess uh, from the sideline, nevertheless, what did you think of the Labor Day Classic and what you guys were able to do out there? Oh, I mean, that was just a fun game just to watch. You know, even though I didn't get to play, and it was just fun to watch the guys fly around, jets coming over the stadium. Like, it was just a good experience overall. So, Going up against Edmonton, what are some of the challenges that you see from them that maybe you're expecting in a rematch? Um, I mean, when you play a team four times, you know, this is the fourth game, like they're, they're bound to come out with something different. So, you know, it's just uh, expect the unexpected. So, you know, they're going to hit us with something and we just got to be able to react to it. I thought you guys did a really good job getting after the quarterback, the defensive line. I think got the game ball for the defense after the game. When they're doing that, how much easier does it make your guys' job in the secondary? Oh, it makes it way easier. You know, when those guys just are, you know, chopping at the bits to get at the quarterback, like, you know, it makes everybody else's, on, uh, everybody else's uh, job on the field a lot easier. Uh, ball hawks, you got a few on the secondary, but you've had to really change guys in and out. Who are some of the players that you look at and you're like, man, if someone's trying to throw on them, they're probably in trouble. I mean, everybody, you know, every, every DB that we have out there comes to work every single day. So, you know, everybody's just been waiting for the opportunity. So it's, it's bound to come this week. How are you feeling, man? You ready to go? Yeah, I feel good. Looking like it'll be a different secondary once again with Jamerson and Amako probably not going to be available. One final note from Wednesday's official report. Long snapper Aaron Crawford missed with an illness. Hopefully he was able to return for the Thursday session and can travel to Edmonton on Friday. Up in Edmonton, linebacker Niles Morgan missed practice Wednesday with a groin issue. He also missed a Labor Day game. Getting him back would be a nice add to the Elks defense. Dave Dickinson was asked about having to face the same team in back-to-back -back situations and how that affects his preparation. Yeah. Uh, well, both of us had long weeks heading into the Labor Day game, so I'm not sure exactly what Edmonton's going to do, but we obviously have enough put in that we can not necessarily have to do the exact same things. Yeah, if it works, you think, well, I wouldn't mind doing that again, but I think both teams know that they'll change. Uh, yeah, you're still who you are. That's your identity, but ultimately I think both teams will have, have had enough time to make adjustments and, and also put some new things in. And we'll receive the final injury report very soon, telling us who is in, who is out, and who's getting the questionable tag, all ahead of the depth charts dropping early on Friday morning. We'll see what changes the Stampeders will have to make. They'll travel Friday to play Saturday, 6 o'clock start at Commonwealth, looking like it should be a beautiful night up in Edmonton for another win over the Elks. With your Stamps report, I'm Matt Rose. Thank you, Maddie. Of course, Maddie, the host of uh, the big show in the morning here on Sportsnet 960, the fan and our Stamp Peters insider. One more Stamps report with Matt tomorrow afternoon ahead of the Labor Day rematch up in Edmonton. Elks and Stamp Peters getting set for a Saturday night kickoff. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. More football around the corner. Let's dive around the CFL into some of the biggest storylines Heading into week 14 of CFL action. John Hodge of Three Down Nation joins us next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sportsnet Today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Calgary. Week 13 of CFL action is in the books. Capping off with a Labor Day Classic win for the Calgary Stampeders. 26-18 over the Edmonton Elks. 
Now as the temperatures cool off across the country, we head into fall, things really heat up across the CFL. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. I'm Logan Gordon and very excited to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to chat with our next guest about all things CFL as we enter uh, one of the final long stretches of the season here and get to start talking some playoffs and a bunch of other CFL storylines. Uh, it's Three Down Nation's John Hodge joining us this afternoon. John, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome, thanks. Uh, lots to talk about in the CFL right now. Obviously, four games on this Week 14 schedule that kick off tomorrow, but I wanted to start our chat talking about the team that's not playing today, uh, this week, excuse me, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, handled by the Argos on Labor Day, off this week, and then back for a Grey Cup rematch against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers next week. John, for a team that's already at the bottom of the East Division standings. What's the temperature right now around the Hamilton Tiger Cats? Well, you know, watching the the latest conference that Orlando Steinauer, their head coach, uh, presented, it it hardly inspired confidence. I'll I'll say it that way. He he does not look right now like he has a whole heck of a lot of answers. And obviously his team as of late has, has not played well. And it's been a a very disappointing season for that team, quite frankly, because, you know, they, they went out, they, they did lose some talent in free agency, but they, they went out, they added Micah Johnson, you know, they were going into their second year of, of kind of a brand new receiving core, Stephen Dunbar, Jr., Tim Whites, and young players were expected to step up. And, and then most importantly, you got Dane Evans under center, kind of being the guy, quote unquote, for the first time in his career, right? No more Jeremiah Masoli there. They made the pick. They, they, they chose their guy, and um, they've been the most disappointing team in the CFL this season, as as far as I'm concerned. And you know, with, with you know, I think the buy is perfectly timed if they are going to salvage their season. Right, they're they're three and nine, dead last in the East Division. They got six games left. Fortunately, the East is weak. You know, mathematically, they could still make some noise in the playoffs. But boy, they they need to turn things around in a hurry because they looked awful in their back to back against the Toronto Argonauts. What's the story with Dane Evans right now in your mind? Is this a guy that's lost confidence and maybe the team's lost confidence in him? Well, let, let's start off with, with his injury status. He missed a game due to a shoulder injury. Then he came back. And then for this most recent game against the Toronto Argonauts, he, was the, he did dress, but he was the third-string quarterback. Uh, Steve Milton, the local beat reporter, reported that, that Evans could play if called upon and he was a full participant in practice on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that week heading into the game on Monday. Then I was getting tweets from fans in the stand saying that Dane Evans wasn't even throwing right-handed during warm-up. He was throwing with his left arm. And so to me, there is something about this whole situation with Dane Evans and his shoulder that just does not smell right. It is impossible to be a full participant in practice for three days during the week and then be too injured to throw the ball with your proper hand in warm-ups for a game. And if he is that injured, why the heck would you waste a roster spot dressing him, right? CFL rosters are smaller than their NFL counterparts. You only get 45 players on game day. You're not wasting one of those spots on a player who can't go. So the injury thing to me, in my opinion, there's something up there. Um, as for his confidence level, he has looked shot. He has been in tears multiple times on the sidelines. 
Um, that doesn't bother me personally. I think it's refreshing for professional athletes to show emotion. But clearly he has struggled with being the true number one guy in that organization. He's thrown 13 interceptions this year, lost a ton of fumbles, and he is uh, a primary reason why that team has by far the worst turnover differential in the league this year. And, and they don't have the talent right now to make up for those turnovers on either side of the ball. Is there any external pressure perhaps on, on Orlando Steinhauer and his job security with the Tiger Cats in your mind? Well, the Ticats have a very bizarre front office structure, right? Typically, uh, a, a team has a president. That president hires a general manager. That general manager goes out and hires his head coach, and that head coach will hire their, their coordinators. The Hamilton Tiger Cats lost co-general manager Sean Burke in the offseason. He's now the GM of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Rather than just simply promoting the other co-GM, Drew Alamang, to that role, the, the, the head GM role, but the Ticats did is they, they kind of have this funky three headed thing going on. Uh, technically Orlando Steinauer, I forget his exact title. It's some president of something, something it might be president of, of personnel. It's, it's a bizarre thing, but he's kind of sort of at the top of their food chain, but then he's beneath the personnel guys. And they, they went out, they hired Spencer Zimmerman. They went out and they hired Ed Hervey, two guys who have had a lot of success as personnel men in the CFL, but I have spoken to some people who believe that the problem is there's just too many cooks in the kitchen, right? It's no good to have a bunch of good people in your organization if they don't know what role they're filling or what role the others are filling or how the food chain really works. So to me, giving Orlando Steinauer a bunch of new power in that organization uh, ahead of the 2022 season means that I think it's unlikely that he's going to lose his job as a result of one bad year. Uh, but that being said, I mean, I mean you never know. And, and certainly, even if Orlando Steiner remains the coach in 2023, which, again, I, I do think he will, I think they have to do a better job of, of defining the rules and cleaning up that front office because evidently the, the, the setup they have there right now is, is not effective. I wanted to talk to you about the Ottawa Red Blacks as well. They pick up a win against Montreal last week. They get a chance at the Argos in their own version of the Battle of Ontario this week. Are we starting to feel like Nick Arbuckle might finally have the CFL home he's been looking for? It seems as though with the Jeremiah Masoli injury, the the back and forth of quarterback with a couple of young guys, that he might be the guy who could actually lead this team going forward. Well, isn't it refreshing to see Nick Arbuckle finally kind of find a home somewhere? He's been crossing this country like the littlest hobo since the start of the COVID <laughs> pandemic, looking for a place yeah. to rest his head. And ironically, Ottawa, where he was traded originally after the 2019 season, uh, and looked to be the new kind of face of that franchise under Paul Apolis in 2020, amid the league's canceled season. He's now there, and yes, he has looked good through two starts. Has he looked amazing? No, but guess what? If, if you protect the football, which Nick Arbuckle has done very well, he has not committed a turnover over his two starts with the Red Blacks, if you can make enough throws, right, and because that defense in Ottawa is, is very respectable, Lorenzo Malden, defensive end, is having a breakout year there as an edge rusher, you can win games. And all of a sudden, the Red Blacks have won back-to-back games for the first time since the first two weeks of the 2019 season, well over two calendar years, uh, pardon me, well over three calendar years, 
Um, so, yes, I, I am high on the Red Blacks all of a sudden. Um, that will change, of course, if Nick Arbuckle goes out there uh, this weekend and, and throws three picks. But for now, if they can manage this this particular formula where Nick Arbuckle doesn't go out there trying to win games but, but can just do a good job of managing them, I do think that this team has an opportunity to still make the playoffs. That wouldn't be the case, of course, if they're in the West. But out East threw them two points back of the Montreal Alouettes for, for second in that division. And those two teams still meet two more times on the schedule. They split their first two meetings, so Ottawa could absolutely leapfrog them. And, and again, if Nick Arbuckle continues to do what he does, just plays within himself, takes what the defense give him, gives him, manages the game, I do think that they can uh, – can continue the success that they've started having as of late. Lots of intrigue in tomorrow night's uh, matchup that kicks off the week between the Lions and the Alouettes. Were you surprised to see that Vernon Adams was second on the Lions uh, quarterback depth chart, given that it's a potential return to Montreal for him and that the team gave up a first round pick to acquire him? I'm not simply because they they've yet to play right. Uh, Vernon Adams yeah. Jr. was acquired during the bye week, so so yeah, he would have had a little bit of time to you know get in the playbook and start speaking with with offensive coordinator Jordan Maximic. But you know it's it's another thing to actually get on the field. They only returned to the field a few days ago for practice, and so I, I think if the Lions are smart, they'll certainly work Vernon Adams Jr. into the lineup somehow, whether it's, you know, okay, we're preparing this package or, or, okay, in this scenario, we're going to put you in here or, or let, let's script some plays and, and we'll get you in in the third quarter, give the defense a, a different look, that type of thing. Uh, but yeah, to, to go from a trade, you know, to starting in the matter of, of, you know, eight or 10 days is an awfully tough thing to do. I, I remember speaking with Matt Nichols back, you know, a, a few years ago, uh, regarding his start in, I believe it was 2015, he started for Winnipeg something like eight days after being acquired by uh, by Winnipeg from Edmonton, and he kind of admitted he, he said, you know, something to the effect of like, I, I basically just tried to know where Nick Moore was on the field <laughs> at all times because Nick Moore was the best receiver at the time, yeah. and uh, I think Matt Nichols might have actually won that game. Come to think of it, but you know, giving him I think a week as the backup, uh, Vernon Adams Jr. That is. I think is, is a wise thing to do. Will he be starting for this team for the playoff push? Absolutely. I don't see a way that he's not the starter. Um, not only is he the best man for the job right now, he, you, you mentioned it, the first round pick, the Lions give up. You don't give up a first unless you're going to get a return on that investment. So I think he's the guy moving forward. But for game one, I think that uh, it's an understandable decision for BC to opt for Antonio Pipkin, who has been there for the entire regular season thus far. I haven't got a chance to talk to you since that whole thing went down. What was your read on that that whole situation with that trade? We had heard that Gary Stern was against training Vernon Adams Jr. He obviously stepped away from his spot in the organization, which opened it up, and then you know, we've mentioned it a couple times, the Lions willing to go out and spend a first-round pick on a guy like Vernon Adams. I guess just how did you see that whole trade coming down? And I guess, were you surprised when you saw that one? I'm not surprised, no. I, I think since Trevor Harris was acquired by Montreal via trade, I think he had always kind of been Danny Machocha's guy. Vernon Adams Jr. was a Kahari Jones guy. And so very early in the season when the Alouettes made the decision, to, to fire Kahari Jones. I think from that moment onward, Vernon Adams Jr.'s 
days in Montreal were numbered. I think Trevor Harris fits uh, a Danny Machocha mold just a little bit more. And, and I'll give Trevor Harris credit. He is a very even-keeled quarterback. I don't think his ceiling, uh, his good games are as good as Vernon Adams Jr.'s good games are, but I think that his floor is higher. Vernon Adams, the criticism for him has always been that, that he can be erratic at times. So he'll look like, you know, uh, an absolute hall of, you know, hall of famer, you know, perennial all pro one week. And then the next week he'll, he'll throw three interceptions and, and struggle. And so, you know, uh, it did not surprise me. I, I know that, that other teams did have conversations about acquiring Vernon Adams Jr. via trade. Um, I know that Danny Machocha refuted the report that Gary Stern stood in the way of that trade. Uh, I think it was a matter of wanting to get the proper return. And at the very tail end of, of Vernon Adams Jr.'s tenure in Montreal, he even went as far as to request a trade from Danny Machocha, likely knowing that BC would be a team looking for a new starting quarterback. And from a, a geographical standpoint, you know, with Vernon Adams Jr. being a Washington, Oregon guy, I think that is a good geographical fit for him as well to be in BC. And he is also a pending free agent, which means that, you know, if things go well in BC, you know, if Nathan Rourke, for instance, goes to the NFL, despite this surgery that mm-hmm. he's undergone recently, that will likely end the season. Maybe there's even a future, right? For Vernon Adams Jr., to be the guy in BC in 2023, which is an opportunity I don't think that would have been made available to him for Montreal in 2023. So I like this trade a lot for both teams. I think it's good for Vernon Adams Jr. I think it's good for the BC Lions. And I think it made a lot of sense for the Montreal. It's a rare trade that I think is really a true win-win for both sides. Sticking with player transactions, uh, we'll talk about the Riders and the Bombers game coming up on Saturday uh, and part of that triple header on CFL Saturday. But I'm just curious what you made of the Riders' decision to finally let go of Garrett Marino, uh, the letter that got sent out or the memo that got sent out by CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi uh, sort of regarding his status going forward. Uh, it was just It seemed like it was just one distraction too many for the Rough Riders to continue with Marino. Absolutely. I mean, and, and Craig Dickinson said as much to the media in Regina yesterday. To me, the only surprise that came as a result of this whole situation is that the Riders didn't cut him sooner, right? This is a player who, after that, that horrible incident in July, week five, he takes out Jeremiah Masoli. He celebrates the hit. It later comes out that he used racial language against Jeremiah Masoli in that game, a player of Polynesian descent. He took out an offensive lineman of Ottawa's. That should have been the last straw. And, you know, for Craig Dickinson to come out and say it was a distraction, well, sorry, Mr. Dickinson, but I think most people across the country could have predicted that. Like, Garrett, Garrett Marino was not a player who was going to come back and be a choir boy. He was going to come back and be Garrett Marino. And to Garrett Marino's credit, he's a heck of a player. He's very disruptive. He's a freak athlete. At 290 pounds, he moves in a way that not a lot of men that size can move. But he has made poor decisions throughout his career. He got uh, ejected in last year's Banjo Bowl, got fined a number of times last season. He got ejected from a game this year, got fined a number of times, four games. And and he only played 15 games Mm -hmm. in his entire tenure in Saskatchewan. When you're averaging something like one fine every two or three games, um, yeah, you're going to become a distraction. And so to me, 
you know, this is something that the riders should have done sooner. Um, it was absolutely the right decision in my mind. And I'm sure that a lot of CFL, you know, coaches, quarterbacks, and players are sleeping a little bit better at night, knowing that they're not going to have a player out there like Garrett Marino, who likes to engage in, to say it politely, extracurricular behavior on the field. As far as the uh, on the field matchup that we're talking about on Saturday, John, how big is this one for the Riders sitting at six and six and now walking in to hostile territory in a banjo match, re, uh, banjo bowl, excuse me, rematch uh, against Winnipeg, knowing that the Stampeders already picked up one win against the Elks and are heading there again Saturday. Well, I think if you're the Riders, you know you you, you feel good about the fact that you don't really have anybody chasing you at this point. Edmondson's at three wins. Mm -hmm. It's very likely to lose again this weekend. Um, You'd love to catch Calgary. Uh, Maybe it is easier to go to the West division now that Nathan Rourke is out of the, is is probably out of the picture for the BC Lions this season. Um, But I think from a confidence standpoint, the banjo bowl is very important. Cody Fajardo has lost five consecutive starts to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That includes the 2019 West final and the 2021 West final, the riders, you know, they, they lost the Labor Day classic. They have to come to Winnipeg twice now. And as much as that season series is probably not going to come into effect, given that the teams are 10 points apart in the standings, I think, you, you know, if you want to make it to the Grey Cup, whether it's through the West division or the Grey Cup game itself, there's a pretty darn good chance if you're Saskatchewan, that you're going to be playing against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And so, to, to make a statement, right, to, to beat that team head-to-head and even just put a little bit of doubt into the minds of those Winnipeg Blue Bombers and say, hey, this, this team beat us in our own barn at the Banjo Bowl. You know, th- this is not a team that's, that, that's going to, you know, be, be a pushover, a team that, you know, we can rest on our laurels because we've beat them, you know, repeatedly over the last number of years. I, I do think it's a big game for them. Um, do I think they'll win? No, I, I'm picking the Bombers and I'm happy to eat the, I believe it's four and a half points at this point uh, for, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But if the Riders were to come into the Banjo Bowl and win, I think absolutely that changes the complexion of their season a little bit, especially because you mentioned Garrett Reno. Now that he's gone, right, there's an opportunity to turn a page and write a new narrative for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Wouldn't it be great for them after that ugliness and that departure to say, hey, look at us. We beat the top team in the CFL. We've turned a new leaf. We got another third of the season to go. Let's ride. Last one for you, John. I'm curious from your point of view what you've made of Jake Mayer as the starting quarterback for the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, uh, not a great start on Labor Day against the Elks, but he finds it in the second half, leads them to victory. It's still an era that we're adjusting to here in Calgary uh, with Bo Levi Mitchell on the sidelines. Yeah, I really liked what I saw from Jake Mayer. I was at his first start at IG Field. You know, he, his team was playing on a short week, playing in the toughest building to play it in the CFL, playing against a, a you know a ten and one football team, and uh, he, he had a great game. Yeah, he, he fizzled out a little bit in the fourth quarter, completed only two passes in the final fifteen minutes, but you know he did easily enough for his team to win. He he obviously found very quick chemistry with Malik Henry with the three touchdown passes. Yes, he got off to a slow start against the Edmonton Elks, but ultimately he he put them away in the second half. And so, you know, the, the Calgary Stampeders are in a situation where they're, they're looking at the landscape of the CFL going, okay, there's absolutely no way we can keep both of these quarterbacks 
for 2023. They're doing what they need to do to figure out who the future of this team is going to be. And thus far, I think Jake Mayer has rewarded them very nicely for the two starts that he's had. Obviously, he's much younger than Bo Levi Mitchell. Obviously, he's got a lot less mileage than Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, They're both pending free agents. We don't know what the numbers, what the money will look like necessarily next season. Uh, But I I give the Calgary Stampeders credit for being proactive rather than reactive, right? It would have been easy to just ride Bo Levi Mitchell out for the rest of the season. They were proactive saying, okay, we we are at a a crossroads of sort with the organization. Who's going to be the guy? And so far I, I have liked what I've seen from Jake Mayer. I do think right now he gives that team the best chance to win. No discredit to Bo Levi Mitchell. He's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. Mm-hmm. But right now, I prefer Jake Mayer. John, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for the chat today. We'll do it again soon, hey? Thank you very much. Anytime. Thanks. There you go. John Hodge. You can find him on Twitter at John D. Hodge, CFL insider and reporter for our pals at Three Down Nation. Looking forward to another great week of CFL football. It kicks off tomorrow night with the BC Lions in Montreal to take on the Alouettes. Antonio Pipkin will get the start for BC. Former Alouette quarterback Vernon Adams Jr. will back him up. A triple header on Saturday. How about that, Dumas? Battle of Ontario, yeah. uh, Argos and Red Blacks. Banjo Bowl at 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Riders, Bombers. And we end it all off with another Battle of Alberta, Calgary and Edmonton. You get your, You get really... Two full days of football here in uh, Alberta. Yeah, and you could print you sprinkle in some college football around the CFL games on Saturday as well. Big old football weekend on uh, probably my favorite weekend of the year. Opening NFL year. Going to be great. Uh, thanks again to John Hodge for joining us. Really uh, enjoy those chats with John. Getting you caught up on everything across the CFL landscape. Week 14 kicks off tomorrow. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. Switch things up. We'll bring Pat Steinberg into the conversation. Two hours of Flamestock coming your way next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.